Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. Many people might think they know about ARP when they get that letter in the mail, mysteriously inviting them to become a member as soon as they turn 50, or when they see ads for ARP Medicare supplement plans on TV. But there's a lot they probably don't know about ARP, and it's worth knowing about the many dimensions of this national a nonprofit organization of some 38 million members, founded in 1958 by Dr. Ethel Percy Andrus, a retired high school principal with three founding principles to promote independence, dignity, and purpose for older persons, to enhance the quality of life for older persons, and to encourage older people to serve, not to be served. In today's episode, we talk with two prominent AARP leaders, Beth Finkel, the longtime state director of AARP New York, and James O'Neill, who's had a distinguished career in healthcare, now an independent consultant on older adult issues, and president of AARP New York. Beth and James will outline AARP's many roles in advocacy, research, education programs, service events, and resources that support older Americans. They'll focus on a few major advocacy issues, such as protecting Social Security and Medicare, lowering prescription drug costs, and providing more support for family caregivers. Beth and James will highlight AARP's efforts and their own personal involvement in disrupting disparities in the treatment of older people, particularly ethnic and rural, uh, ethnic, racial, and rural and LGBTQ communities. And they'll give a sample of the panoply of practical resources and services offered by AARP, its volunteers to the public, and many of them free. And they'll talk about the increasing importance of AARP's age-friendly community approach, its commitment to intergenerational engagement, not just older generations, in creating a more inclusive and vital society. So now let's meet our guests, Beth Finkel and James O'Neill. Beth and James, welcome to the show. Hey, Ron. Thank you. Great to see you guys. Um, so the, we're doing the show on, on July 3rd, just before Independence Day. And I, I you know, uh, I want to, uh, my listeners to know that I've been involved with Beth and, and James as a member of ARP's uh, New York Executive Council. Um, so I'm familiar with the organization, and I really uh, support uh, its mission. Um, and I did it. Uh, I scheduled this for Independence Day because I look at it that way. I look at the this organization as really helping to promote the dignity in, and independence of older individuals. So there's really a, a symbolism to that for me. And um, I, I want to really you know point that out. You know, yes, there there <laughs> yes there are insurance aspects to the organization, although. That's not what we're going to talk about today. That's not part of our conversation. Um, but I first, before we dive into what the organization does and, and can can do for you, um, I want to just have uh, Beth and, and James talk a little bit about themselves, about you know their own individual passion for you know supporting older people and and how it developed over the years. So Beth, I'm going to start with you. Well, I, I have to say, mine was uh, an accidental. <laughs> Uh, adventure. Um, I actually, uh, going into aging was a second career for me. Mm-hmm. I returned, I went to graduate school for a social work degree in community organizing and administration. Uh, and I was already in my early 
40s when I started that. And I really, um, I really went into it thinking I was going to work in some type of not-for-profit, but no idea what. And as many of you may know, social workers do internships. Mm-hmm. And my first internship was with a um, older adult organization, which, by the way, I'm now on the board of. Um, and uh, through that experience, the next uh, internship they gave me was also with older adults. And I said, well, somebody's trying to tell me something here because <laughs> I actually was very involved with homelessness and uh with parks and recreation, and those were my really my areas of passion. I had no idea that I would one day end up working uh, on making life better for the 50 plus. But I landed here, and the more I learned about it, the more impassioned I became about it. So here I am. Here you go. And James, how about you? Well, my becoming part of this industry, like Beth, uh, was a real surprise. I was involved in education at first, and then uh, through um, advertising. Went off to Puerto Rico for 10 years before coming back to New York and trying to find work and uh, happened to stumble across this industry called healthcare and manage long-term care. And that's what started me on uh, working with older adults in New York City. Yeah. I like these stories because, um, uh, as we'll talk about later in the, in the program, um, you know, the, the, the intergenerational connections for that ARP is, is uh, espousing as well. And because I like to let younger generations know this is the way life is. <laughs> you know, when you, when you graduate from college, you think, well, all right, what am I going to do? You really don't know. And, and a, a lot of life um, happens 45 forward before and afterward. It's a, it's a development of, um, you know, continuous chapters. I think, you know, uh, in in the evolution of AARP itself, recognizing, you know, the original name, American Association of Retired Persons, it's not so much about retirement. It's about you may retire from field to field, but you really can lead a vital and, and diverse life all the way through. So um, I'm really uh, happy to hear people's stories and let people know, like, don't worry about it. You will find your passion and it, and just with you guys, as with you guys, it's often a combination of accident and intention. <laughs> so, and following through and re- recognizing it when it comes. So, um, so back to uh, just the the organization itself. Um, let's talk a little bit about its mission. Um, and perhaps uh, again, starting with Beth um, and and uh, James, jump in. Um, so Beth is on on staff, and James is a volunteer, um, but a very active volunteer <laughs> and um um and what I, I i love about the organization is really the engagement of both staff and volunteers and the commitment to each other um but talk about uh, beth a little bit about how the organization is organized and and because people i think are generally familiar with the membership but not really what we do as volunteers and and as advocates and supporters of older people well it's interesting because um you know you mentioned before uh, American Association of Retired Persons, and actually we had our name officially changed about 30 years ago because that name doesn't reflect who we are or who our membership is. Our membership is 50 plus, and a very large percentage of our members are still working. Obviously, you know, those who are before that used to be considered the classic retirement age, uh, which I don't think anybody can really put 
uh, you know, a real, you know, nail and, and say, oh, this is a retirement age. Uh, it's changed for everyone. The way we work uh, and the way we live out our professional lives really has right. changed drastically. It used to be at 65, you you were out of there. <laughs> right. Gave you the gold watch and goodbye, and you probably had a pension. Today, not a lot of people have pensions, uh, and hopefully they have a 401k. Um, but it's, it's a problem of people being prepared for their retirement, and I think that's what ARP has always been about. ARP is about people being able to make the decisions that they want to make as they age. And we all know you can't make the same decisions if you have limited economic resources. Right. You know, how much money you have when you retire makes decisions about where you live, what your health care is like, you know, the what you're entertaining and what your full circle of life is all about. Uh, so it's really important. You can't wake up one day when you hit 55 or 60 and say, oh, I'm going to retire in 5 or 10 or 15 years. If that's the first time you woke up to how you're going to prepare for your retirement, there's going to be a struggle there. I mean, unless you're one of the fortunate few. So mm-hmm. ARP really encourages people at a very young age to really stop and think about how they're going to have the retirement that they want to have and be able to make the decisions they want to make about how they age and where they age. Right. Yeah. We get we get out of school, uh, mm-hmm. high school or college, and basically we feel we're invincible. We're going to get out there and take on the world and be nothing but a success and a millionaire in a year, and we're going to be able to retire. However, it's uh, not true. It doesn't happen that way. Very seldom, once or twice maybe, but very seldom does it happen that way. And I think one of the basic things that I've learned, in addition to the actual advocacy of AARP, is that AARP does a lot to educate people on growing older mm-hmm. and the things that they should face. It's not only health problems, there's everything preparing, as Beth said, for retirement, saving a little money, um, having that a 401c3 or whatever it is that because very few places have a pension that they give you these days. It used to be that people were given this money and they had a sure way of retiring. Um, So AARP is um, more than, you know, the advocacy programs that we do, um, the uh, products that we offer through the the, uh, for-profit division. It's also a tremendous education program, and that is normally intergenerational. You'd be surprised at the number of people who are members who are not 50 years old and older who are part of AARP. Yeah. You know, I think that you yourselves are examples of of how we retire these days. So there's not one big R, retirement. There are multiple retirements. You retire from what you're doing to move on to something else. So I think um, the, the organization is is modeling uh, that kind of change in a, in, a, in a paradigm of how to grow older, because we are, um, you know, we are all aging. We are, you know, hopefully um, aging longer with improvements in medicine and uh, health and diet and exercise. Um, but part of that is then, well, how do we do it well, um, and and how do we 
not only personally, but uh, as a society. So one of the things we, we'll talk about some of the specific programs and educational programs that you mentioned, James, but but also I think people aren't aware of of how much ARP advocates for you know structural and policy issues that help everybody. Um, so you know we're, it's active in doing that too, and you know and and uh, some of the issues I mentioned in my intro, um, like uh, Social Security and Medicare. But why don't you guys talk about some of the things that are important to you in terms of? Um, how it advocates for for older adults from a policy perspective. Well, I'll start, start if, if I can this time. Oh, James. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sure. <laughs> because one of the, the uh, programs that I really loved AARP's involvement with was the prescription drug program. Mm -hmm. um, you look at me and you, you won't see it, but I'm diabetic, uh, type 2 diabetes, paying an awful lot of money each month for my diabetic medication. I wasn't taking insulin. Um, I take pills, but an awful lot of money each month. And for a person on a fixed income who's retired, it becomes very difficult. Now that Medicare can negotiate rates uh, with uh, big pharma, we're having actually, I have a, I've had a reduction in the cost of my medication already. Um, there's a cap on how much you can spend uh, to be charged each month for insulin, for example. So things like this uh, are, are very important. Uh, there are so many uh, programs that are important that AARP advocates for the older adult. Actually, not only for the older adult, for anyone who might need those uh, products or services. Yeah. Beth, what about you? What are some of your particular passions about Oh, my God, I have so many. I know. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. we mentioned Social Security before. And, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, if all your listeners are aware of this, but right here in New York State, almost 25% of New Yorkers who are retired rely upon Social Security for 90% or more of their retirement income, almost 25% of um, retirees in New York. Uh, re re rely on Social Security for 90% of their income. And the inverse of that is actually true, too. Over 90% of people in New York depend on Social Security for 50% or more wow. of their income. So Social Security is the bedrock of a stable retirement. And not everybody realizes that. Younger generations are very quick to say, oh, I don't know if it'll be there for me. Well, you know, I just want to say wake up and smell the coffee because you've paid into Social Security your whole life. And the government made a pact with you. And we need to make sure that the government always lives up to its contract with us. And so it it's really important for people to understand Social Security, and it's really important for all of us to make sure that we hold government's feet to the fire. They made a deal, and you can't break it. You can't yeah. go back now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that um, younger people also, um, and we'll talk about this more later, about, um, uh, the, again, more about intergenerational relationships, uh, but, uh, you know, Young younger people should realize that if things like Social Security are cut, the you know older people still need the support. And where's that support going to come? 
it's going to come from younger people supporting their parents <laughs> who don't have the money anymore. So there, there are implications cross-generationally. Um, and so we're going to pick up a little bit more about that, but we, we need to take a break. Um, it's going to be a short break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking much, much more with Beth Finkel and James O'Neill of ARP. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we're talking today with Beth Finkel and uh, James O'Neill, two leaders with ARP New York. Uh, and uh, before the break, we were talking about some of the uh, the passions uh, for advocacy that James and Beth were talking were, were espousing. Uh, we we're talking about Social Security, uh, prescription drug costs. Um, and and so before we, we go on, it's, I want to make it clear that, and they will do as well, that the ARP is, is nonpartisan. So these are not political. They, well, they have political dimensions to them, but it's, it's not about partisanship. And so that's what the organization does. It, it's, its constituency is older adults. And, and younger adults who follow them. So um, that's what it's about. It's basically, that's the advocacy. Um, so one of the things that we've talked about a lot um, is this, uh, our last major ism, ageism. And uh, this is something that I think all of us are passionate about with ARP is, is how to combat ageism. But 
and ARP takes a particular attack, which I'd like you to talk about, which is, you know, protecting or thinking about it from um, the more vulnerable or marginalized segments of our population that often get put to the side. So we talk about it in terms of disrupting disparities. So perhaps we'll keep, you know, flop, flipping back and forth, start again with James and then you, Beth, about, you know, your, your involvement and your feelings about how we do this. How do we disrupt disparities in terms of equal treatment for aging populations? Disrupting disparities is a very difficult thing because um, the population as a whole has these preconceived notions about older adults and those preconceived notions, they tend to act out in public with people all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, it becomes necessary to treat even older people how not to disparage themselves. And that becomes very important in trying to combat ageism that um, we all face on a daily basis. In addition to the fact that um, with people of color, there's racism. And a part of that with the ageism and, and racism, it won't be going away and going away soon. We've come a long way, baby, as some people say, but there's still a long way to go. And it's something that we need to do. And AARP has a number of programs which attempt to educate people so that that disparity does not continue to exist. And Beth, you, you've talked often about a really interesting report that ARP has done about the longevity economy and just, you know, dis dispelling myths about how older people are, you know, takers rather than givers. Um, and that in, is, in fact, not true in many capacities. No, for sure not. First of all, uh, here in New York State, uh, 50 plus are the driver of the well over 50 percent of the GDP of the state. So for sure not. Uh, also, when you look at the amount paid in taxes, when you look at the economic stimulus of the 50 plus, you know, they are the dominant economic driver of New York State in almost every realm. And so, you know, it's really important to make sure that uh, older adults stay in place, that they age in place, because uh, if they decide to move either to another state um, they or or somewhere else, then they're taking that economic power with them. They're taking their pension or their 401k with them, and they're taking their social security with them. And they're no longer paying property taxes or all those other taxes that we all need. So it's really incumbent upon government to make sure that people can age in place. Because otherwise, who's going to be paying all of that property tax, school tax, you name it, uh, right? And then going into the local shops and, and purchasing things that then help the local economy of little towns all across New York State. So um, as we're seeing, the 65 plus population is booming in New York. 65 plus population after the last census went up 31%. Mm. It's a big number. A third, you know, so we need to take good care of these people. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And even I'm, though... I'm, I'm sorry, just to add one more point. Yeah. I talked about the financial piece of older adults, but we have to think about the human capital also, right? 
You go into any uh, YMCA, uh, church, synagogue, uh, Ronald McDonald has, I mean, you name the charity and you can see who's in there volunteering every day, giving of themselves. Uh, and you too are very good examples of really wonderful volunteers. So that, again, we need to be capitalizing on that human capital that people are bringing to their local communities. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, there it's, you know, the con- the contribution of older people is often, I think, discounted because uh, it's like, well, how, how much money did they generate? It's like, well, it's not also about the money. It's what they do. It's how they contribute. And uh, we can talk a little bit more now or later, but one of the areas that is often um, underlined is is in caregiving, where how much um, unpaid family caregivers contribute to the economy and to actually to, you know, basically uh, keeping people out of nursing homes, being able to, you know, uh, save money for families. Um so there's a tremendous amount of work that's is volunteer work that's done. It's still work. <laughs> it's it's maybe unpaid, but it contributes tremendously to society. Um, uh, now, what, now one of that talking about the caregiving, we could talk about more later because there are a lot of caregiver initiatives. But but in general, um, you know, in keeping people at home, you know, one of the big pieces that we're we're dealing with as a society is, is healthcare, which is. Your wheelhouse, James. You've had a long career in healthcare. What are some of your thoughts about you know ARP's involvement in supporting the health of older individuals? Oh, AARP supplies. Uh, you just can't can't explain just how important AARP's involvement with older adults and healthcare happens to be. Caregivers. Um, what would we do without them? Billions of dollars are saved by governments each year right. because of the health care services that are provided by caregivers. Um, so caregivers become extremely important. There's another thing, too, that um, in many cases, a lot of the older adults would be excluded from anything and everything going on in the community had there not been a healthcare worker there with them. Um, Sexual isolation is a tremendous mental health problem amongst older adults. um, And that's something that can only be tackled by them being included with other people. So I think that the caregiver, sometimes these are the only people they see, people who are receiving things like Meals on Wheels. In many cases, the person who delivers the meal is the only person that they get to see. So caregiving is extremely important for the older adult population. Right. right. So caregiving, you know, for, for the recipient as well as, you know, ARP has really been advocating for, you know, the professional caregivers, the, the home health aides, people in nursing homes, because that's an area in which we acknowledge the vital role they play, but we don't pay them well, right. <laughs> you know. and We uh, don't pay them well and... As a result, we have a deficiency in the number of people who are providing professional services uh, because they can't live off of what they're being paid at this point. Right, right. Um, One of the areas that I want to shift a little bit to that you've also been very uh, active uh, as an organization is um, protecting um, seniors from scams and frauds. 
Um, this has become a very uh, current topic uh, lately. It affects everybody, of course, but especially older individuals. Um, Beth, maybe talk a little bit about that, about all the activities that ARP does to, you know, help people and their and their family members, you know, avoid scams or deal with them when they do happen. Well, I guess the first thing I have to highlight is um, we have something called the Fraud Watch Network, and it would be, you know, if your listeners are interested, they can uh, go to ARP.org and put in Fraud Watch Network. And you can actually see where the complaints are coming in from all around the country. You can check out your own town or county and find out what are the frauds that are going on locally. So you can educate yourself and arm yourself against these scammers. You know, scammers come after older people for many, many reasons. One of them is that very often they're sitting on quite a nice nest egg that they've saved up for all their lives. And, you know, it's like Billy Sutton used to say, they said, why do you want rob banks? He said, because that's where the money is. And why right. do why are older people very often um, um, uh, preyed upon? Be- because uh, scammers know they have money. But on top of that, older people were raised in a generation that was taught to be very polite. <laughs> and they have a very hard time. Someone calls them on the phone and starts with some kind of a sob story, and they will not cut them off. They don't hang up the phone. And so one of the things that ARP is, tries to get across to people is it is okay to hang up on these scammers. <laughs> Just hang up. If, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Hang up the phone. We know that in the last year, there were over 200,000 complaints just in the New York City metro area to the FTC. So, uh, and we know most most scams don't even get reported because people are too embarrassed. And that's another thing we want to take away, that stigma. You know, it's not your fault. It's these scammers that are at fault. So uh, telling your story, sharing, so that other people don't fall into the same trap, I mean, that's really incumbent upon all of us to try to do. Right. And so, uh, Ron, you asked me about what we've been doing. So we've been doing educational events. We've been doing shredding events. We've been sending trucks out. We had 30 events all across New York State uh, getting out and helping people shred their uh, personal information in a safe way. So one more thing I'd like to just say to your audience is, you know, don't just throw things in the trash. You get a credit card. um, uh, Bill, make sure you're shredding your information. You get something from Social Security or Medicare or anything that has your personal ID number on it or your healthcare company, make sure to shred it. Right. Are you going to add something to that, James? Or, or uh... No, I, I agree with it 100%. And I've, the past few weeks, I've been going to some shred events, and it's amazing how much people really, really appreciate it. And that's not only older adults, it's also um, students, children, um, other people who are out there that have papers. One lady was talking about she had tax papers from 2000 and forward. And so she brought them there to shred. She had three bags full of items to shred. So they people really appreciate things like the shred events and they're listening. 
because a lot of people have been caught up in some type of fraud and they're concerned. And AARP provides them information. Hopefully they'll listen. Like Beth said, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So be careful of what you're doing as far with all those uh, scams that are going on out there. Yeah, I think the um, uh, yeah the the fraud watch network and basically the educational um, uh, programs about fraud have really been terrific. You know, and I think what I liked about the programs is that that they're they're cross platform, as they say. So we you know there are educational seminars. I know that locally there have been webinars and ARP partners with other organizations, you know, to bring these programs into their organizations or, or their agencies. Um, and then you have the, you know, the on-site stuff, you know, where people physically show up to shred. Um, and I, I think that that, that um, there, I've, you know, seen some events where it's dozens of people are lined up, so they're getting it, you know, and I think it's a valuable service because um, otherwise, um, you, you can be held hostage to these situations. And uh, as, as we guys have intimated, it can happen to anyone. You know, it's it's not something. So it, it often becomes a family affair where people are looking out for each other, um, but letting people know that there are ways to, to do this sort of stuff. Um, so uh, moving on to some of the other um, issues, um, we're going to take a break pretty soon, but I want to at least start touching upon some of the other ways that, that ARP um, proactively tries to, you know, um, uh, involve older people and, and uh, get them involved in society. And one of them is our, our voter engagement projects, which I think are, are critical. We've, we've done, you know, a lot of that. Um, and uh, explain a little bit about that, because I think that, Beth, you've talked about how critical older voters are in our system and how often they participate. Yeah, we did a little bit of research uh, during uh, last year's election time, uh, and I can tell you it was it blew our minds. Uh, we uh, got information from New York State uh, Board of Election to see who actually voted uh, in the two primary elections of last year. And what we found was that over 70% of the voters in the two primaries in New York State last year, over um, over 70% of them were 50 plus, wow. 70% of the voters. And in some counties, it was over 80% of the voters were 50, age 50 years or older. So let's, let's hold, that, hold that thought, Beth, we're going to take a break, Do but I, I want to get right back to that and expand okay. on that. Uh, so, folks, uh, again, we're going to just take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We're going to be coming back with a lot more in our last segment with Beth Finkel and James O'Neill of AARP. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burroughs and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, we press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally 
predict the future. That's Burroughs and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. Because everyone can make money in real estate. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Every conversation we have with the people in our lives is part of a relationship with them. From coworkers and bosses to spouses, kids, and parents to your favorite cashier at the grocery store, the path a relationship takes can have many twists and turns. The Relationship Road Trip hosted by Dr. Don Azevedo, is here to provide a roadmap for your relationships. The Relationship Road Trip, Thursdays at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're again, we're talking with Beth Finkel, the state director of ARP New York, and James O'Neill, the president of ARP New York. Um, before the break, uh, Beth was talking about um, this the significance of seniors, older folks, in terms of voting and why it's so important for them to vote. So uh, we, 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 I, I held her up in mid-conversation, uh, mid but uh, now let's go back to that. Yeah, so it's clear that the 50-plus are the deciders in elections. And by the way, it's not exclusive to New York. I mean, there's different data for different states and nationally, but overwhelmingly it is older voters who decide uh, elections. So, um, you know, it's really important that anybody running for office make sure they understand exactly what are the most important issues to the 50 plus, what they really care about, um, which, you know, doesn't always make me feel good to say because, you know, I want younger people to vote. And actually, we are starting to see in the final election of last year, uh, you could see there was an uptick in uh, millennial voters. So that was, I think, very encouraging and so the New York Times recently had an article uh, tracking that. Um, but even saying that, still, the vast majority of voters are 50 plus. Right. And we as a society need to stop and think about that. Right. 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 Another area that ARP has been really active in, I know, is has been supporting veterans, which I think that the country, I think, is um, clearly, um, you know, I think gotten better. You know, I think we've, one of the issues, and from my perspective, is that um, you know we've we've been better in terms of recognizing people, acknowledging them for their service, uh, but also when they come home, that's their service continues, and often we don't we don't help them. And I think ARP has been really um, you know cognizant of this this another kind of disparity. So maybe you can talk, James, about some of our involvement with veterans, um, the kinds of programs we have, and uh, our support for for vets. Yeah, I have not been involved uh, very much with uh, veterans programs and probably won't be until uh, I think it's next week at a conference that I'll be attending. 
which will be highlighting some of AARP's programs with vets. So let me defer to Beth, uh, who probably has much more information than okay. I Okay. Okay. Take, take um, sure. So um, we we have been getting more and more involved with issues around vets. Actually, we work with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation nationally. They do great work in trying to help veterans get information out to them and get help out to them. And ARP is a, a major uh, partner uh, in that work. Right here in New York, uh, we're involved in making sure that veterans uh, get all the resources that they need to help them. And a lot of AARP resources around finding work, uh, the scams, uh, getting the benefits that people are entitled to. A lot of our work really benefits or could benefit veterans very much. So we've been getting out more, uh, being at veterans events to share that information um, making sure that veterans are connected to to what they need, they've they've served us, and, and we have to serve them. Right, I, I I think that is really important. I mean, I think that going back to one of our missions to to serve rather than be served, and I think that that's a really key notion. I I I try. To, I, I would, I'm not a vet myself. I, I try to help out. I think we we recognize that um, you know there there are many events that I've been participating in, in terms of making sure that vets, you know, are, are not food insecure. I spent uh, a day uh, at one of the veterans facilities out and on the eastern part of Long Island, just, um, you know, volunteering by weeding the, the garden for Vietnam veterans, you know, where they come to, uh, you know, just to relax outside and, you know, spend a few moments uh, just thinking and meditating and enjoying nature and but you know the, their garden needs to be weeded and, and that's something that we can do to, to participate in that and especially i think for like i, I felt you know as a con contributing this is you know this year actually is the 50th anniversary of the end of the vietnam war and i think uh you know that was sort of a turning point in terms of um you know, I think those vets in particular came back and it was an unpopular war and didn't kind of get received the kind of um, respect they deserved. So that kind of thing, I think that, you know, the perspective of aging also, I think, you know, brings a perspective for me of, of continuing to serve. So um, and, and that's I think that's an important part of ARP. And and and, uh, you know, you mentioned Beth about, you know, James is, is, a, is a, one of as a volunteer. Um Talk a little bit about volunteerism, because I think this is a really powerful part of ARP that, that people don't really understand how much um, your volunteers contribute to the work and, and the collaboration with staff. So either one of you, you know, take that. Well, um, ARP is, um, you know, we're a membership organization, but we're a volunteer organization. Uh, volunteers are really the lifeblood of what we do. You know, we really didn't talk much about the advocacy part of our work, right? Okay. And our advocacy is, you know, the, a, a policy agenda, um, which we work in many, many areas. We, James mentioned a little bit about uh, RX affordability. I talked a little bit about social security. But almost every facet of uh, someone's life as they age, AARP is involved in um, advocating. Uh, for it. It might be affordable housing. It might be better transportation. Uh, it might be jobs and availability of jobs. It might be um, 
Medicare, Medicaid, uh, healthcare in general. I mean, there's just so many areas. But what makes AARP unique in advocating and what makes us successful in advocating is not only the size of our membership, but the size of our volunteers, uh, the number of volunteers who are willing to go and visit with their local officials, the number of volunteers who are willing to make a phone call, send an email, and tell their representatives exactly what's important to them and what they expect to be done. Uh, and that is something that we do all the time. I'll give you an example here in New York State. We have not felt that enough oversight is available in long-term care facilities like nursing homes. Through COVID, I think all of us saw all the news reports of all the terrible deaths that happened in nursing homes. And at the same time, there was no oversight. There's something called the Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program, which are basically volunteers who go into nursing homes and they kind of act as a personal ombudsman or advocate for people who can't speak up for themselves or maybe are afraid to speak up for themselves. Or maybe they just observe something like, why are that many people being tied to wheelchairs and being left in a hallway? Or maybe Mrs. S isn't getting three meals a day or, you know, maybe is not getting the personal care services that they might need. And during COVID, of course, family members couldn't get in and then long-term care ombudsman couldn't get in. And by the way, we still are not staffed up to where we need to be to make sure that every nursing home gets a visit once a week. Otherwise, where's the oversight? And that when we get into these terribly tragic stories about people who are in these institutions. So we asked for uh, $15 million from the state government to beef up that program and bring in professionals. And in the end, we got $2.5 million. Mm. Not so good. Um, and so we're going to go back out swinging again next year. But I think that's an example. Our volunteers all across New York State visited with their legislators, that many of them came up to Albany on buses with us to tell legislators exactly what they think. Um, and we need more people to do that. So if you would like to join us, come and visit us at aarp.org forward slash New York uh, and find out more information uh, about being a volunteer. And uh, we'd, we'd love to see you at, uh, out at the barricades with us. Right. And you know, the halls one of, of the Congress. best things... I'm sorry. What was that, Beth? I said we'd like to see it on the halls of Albany uh, State Capitol. <laughs> One of the best things about volunteering, as far as I'm concerned, is the camaraderie that you actually happens between the people who are there. There are most of the people that I've encountered thus far who are volunteers are basically living on their own. And so this is a, another way of being included. Um but they've learned the AARP story and they're out there to tell individuals about AARP and to provide uh, services and information that will be useful for the people who happen to come to our events. But the other thing is that AARP also uh, has special programs at times to thank the volunteers and they love it. They come out for some of the special programs and uh, they let us know that they enjoy being there. Um, they're not paid to come. Uh, their transportation is not paid to come. Uh, they come because they like, and they see their friends there, friends that they've made through AARP. So not only on a professional and government level, but also on an individual level, um, volunteers really move this organization. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, for me, it's, it's a, it's a broader, you know, perspective on caregiving. We talk about caregiving 
sort of a, as a specific, you know, caring for older adults uh, who, who can be uh, vulnerable or frail. But there's, there's a greater, uh, what I like about it is just a greater sense of what, of being a caring society. You know, how do you care for people as they get older? We all get older, you know, and yet we don't have a very good plan <laughs> for doing this. It's really a patchwork plan. And there are some specific aspects like long-term care, but I think, you know, what you've mentioned just, James, is just this sensibility that I you feel about people caring for each other and how do you do that? Especially, you know, one of the realities of getting older is that you do lose people around you. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, there is this notion of social isolation and loneliness, which came to the fore uh, through COVID, unfortunately. But it, you know, it, it did kind of highlight this. It did spotlight this issue. And so... um. I think, and and even during that time, uh, I remember that it uh, the local um, uh, chapters on Long Island played a key role in in terms of quickly pivoting to provide programs online to get people engaged and keep them engaged to the extent you could. I mean, I remember even going to a virtual art gallery opening. Um, you know that the, the, so it it it. Uh, ARP got really creative and I think continues to do so. They continuing to have hybrid events, you know, realizing that um, it, this is a way to expand the audience and keep people involved um, who may have mobility issues and you can still keep them in. Um, so I wondered if you could just talk a little bit more about the, the resources we have. Um, one of the issues um, that uh, we've been very active is promoting um uh, community involvement and intergenerational involvement. So there, we have uh, what's called the age-friendly um, community initiative, and this is really something that's been picking up uh, in New York, but elsewhere. So, uh, Beth, talk a little bit more about that. About age-friendly, what does that mean? Well, age-friendly is actually an international designation. It's a United Nations designation, um, and AARP is actually the convening. A group for the United States for groups that uh, counties, towns, states um, who would like to be joining the age friendly network. And by joining the age friendly network, these uh, local governments are saying that they want to be a good place for people to age in place. And by the way, if you're a good place for people to age, it's for people of all ages. So there are eight uh, different areas that we talk about with age-friendly. One of them is housing. One of them is parks. One of them is uh, personal enrichment, uh, economic security. It's uh, all different things. One of them is uh, streetscapes. You know, can, is it safe to cross the street? Are there curb cuts? Uh, are the lights timed properly? Are there stop signs where there need to be? Are there bus shelters where there ought to be bus shelters for folks? So there's a lot of different components of age-friendly. New York is really proud because New York State was the first age-friendly state in the country. Uh, New York City, I believe, was the second city in the country to be designated. Mm -hmm. So done a lot of great work here, but a lot more great work to come on being yeah. age-friendly. Right, great. I uh, am a walker. I, I enjoy the city. Um, I think New York is probably one of the best places in the world to retire. However, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. But there are so many things that you can do. It's very important that people remain mobile as they grow older. And a lot of people don't. But some of us 
like me, um, I try to walk 10,000 steps per day. Now, I know the doctors are saying 10,000 isn't necessary, 7,000 can be good, but New York is an ideal place to do it because there's so many different things to do and see in various communities. Um, for the most part, sidewalks are good, although you do have some uneven sidewalks in areas which can cause falls. But for the most part, they're there. The subways are now um, putting in elevators and escalators, even though most older adults do not use a subway. They'll use buses instead that can kneel to help you on and everything. So it's very age friendly, just about everything you do here in New York. Um, and who doesn't love the theater or movie or going to movies? And they're all accessible now. So New York is a very accessible city, a very age friendly city. Right. Yeah. And, and the walkability is a, is an important component. Um, interestingly, uh, uh, as a, as a follow-up to our program today, next week, we're going to have a, uh, a man named uh, Dan Burden on the show, who is uh, one of the nation's foremost experts in walkability, you know, and the um, director of innovation inspiration for Blue Zones. So we know how important exercise is in many ways and, and walkability is to our, our, our overall livability. So, um, wow, we've run out of time, actually. I just wanted to actually take a minute, though, to thank Beth and James so much for the conversation today. Um, uh, and now, if you want to get in touch with you, is the best way through uh, ARP. What's the best way to people want to follow up with you? What's the best way to reach you guys? Uh, well, we have an 800 number, which I think is probably the best, and that would be 888-HOUR-AARP. Okay. 888-687-2277. Okay, good. And you can always go to aarp.org. Um, .org forward slash New York. Right. Great. Okay, folks. With that as our conclusion, uh, until then, uh, keep moving forward, folks. 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.